Welcome to episode 35 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, so welcome along to episode 35 of Iron Man Talk, brought to you by... Coffees of Hawaii. Get all your coffee needs from www.coffeesofhawaii.com. Make sure you include the S. Last week, Bevan typed it in when we were looking at it. No, you just... Um, no, 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 no. Yeah, I know. We, we yeah. were just doing pulling the website up yeah. before the show, and yeah. uh, and we've got the S. So make sure it's coffee. I actually just had the coffee right now, actually, and I'm a bit wired, so it's going to be an exciting show. So we know we've got our news for this week. We've got website of the week, uh, Edge Group of the Week. High Five is on part two. Part two of uh, what to do before the race sort of on uh, on the, the Friday on the Friday before, the Friday but the day before the day before you were true but it's generally said there isn't it uh, generally yeah, yeah. sometimes yeah. race is Sunday uh, there you go um, we've got a really cool interview of a guy called Dr. John Hellemans mm-hmm. and uh, you want to give a bit of a bit of a yeah we'll do a good intro when, when we come up to that but uh, John's my my old coach when I was a young short course athlete and uh, he's got a new book out that we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about and um, yeah, really good, interesting interview. Very, very knowledgeable guy. Mm, and uh, lastly, questions and answers time. And uh, let's get into it. News for the week. So Ultraman. Ultraman was Ultraman. underway. Ultraman's just just finished. Yep, they've got the results up there on now, on their page. So if you go to, I think it's ultraman.com, we'll put a link up on the site anyway. Yep. And uh, so after day two, Gary Wang was in the lead, but he faltered a little bit on, on day three. Yep. And uh, in first place, we had Jeff... Landauer, age 39, from USA, did a swim of 3 hours 24 minutes, a bike of 13 hours 38, and a run of 7 hours 27. Wow. Finishing in 24 hours and 30 minutes and 47 seconds. And he only won by 11 minutes yeah. over Gary... Gary Goggins. Goggins. And, uh, so, and he did, what, 3.22 in a swim, about th- uh, 13.55 in a bike and 7.23 in a run. So he won the run, but just wasn't fast enough to take yeah, it out. so it must have been a bit of a... Bit of a hammer fist. Jeff would have been going along, just going. I've just got to stay with yeah, him. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. Eh? That close after that, you know, like such a long period of trot racing, eh? Yeah. yeah, and it was still pretty close in third as well. Only another nine minutes back. Gary Wang, um, yeah, didn't didn't run as well as the other guys, but uh, but still sort of hung tough, and he finished in third place. Actually, no, he was an hour and hour and ten behind, yeah. so he wasn't that close. And on the side of things, Sharon Armstrong. Sharon Armstrong. Oh, no, sh- Shana. Shana Armstrong. Shana Armstrong. She took it out. Now, she's won it a couple of times before. Okay. Yeah, I was reading on triathletemag.com or something like that. And yeah, she's won it a couple of times before and she's pretty much the, the gun to the be. The gun. Very good swimmer. Looks like she was uh, 2 hours 56. I think she was first out of the swim. Yeah. Overall. Yeah, she was, yep. Yeah. But like the weekend, we had a girl beat us out of the swim. <laughs> um, Shana Armstrong, she took it out. Uh, she was ninth place overall, 28-13. Was there any other girls there? Yep. Yep, Suzanne... Desgazon. Desgazon. From yeah. PR. Where's PR? Don't, Don't know what country that is. Peru. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Yep. So, yep. So, it was pretty cool. So, it was pretty big racing three days over in Hawaii. Don't know much about it. I didn't much, really read much about the race. Do you know much about it? I didn't. We we, uh, we we know that the swim was sort of down by um, by Kona. And, yep. uh, and I think that kind of bike just all over the place. I saw some photos and they're stopping at lights. So, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a 6.2 mile swim, 240, 261 mile bike, and a 52k, 52 mile run. Uh, it's a bloody long way and it's bloody hot conditions. So, yeah. um, so well done. There was 23 finishes, um, two relays. Fortunately, I saw John McLean down there. He's the Aussie who I'm, I'm pretty sure is the um, wheelchair. wheelchair athlete. So he uh, actually, he looks like he was 
one of the first people out of the swim in uh, 2 hours 55 so that's pretty handy yeah wow because um, you know what it's like if you've ever put a band on around your ankles when you're swimming and your legs will sink yep. imagine what it's like I hate for, bands only yeah, I hate it imagine what it's like for, for a guy who doesn't have any control over his legs so bit of a bugger he didn't make it because um, you know doing a 260 mile with the the old uh, cranking on the arms is, is pretty solid. Mm, it's so. pretty impressive. But a shame. Here we're back. Um, some gossip coming up for this week is that Luke Bell was going to be taking on Cameron Brown in Ironman New Zealand in March. Mm. So it's, it's going to be pretty good, isn't it? It is. It's going to be very similar, aren't they? Yeah. I think, you know, if they both had their best days, I think Cameron would take him down. I think he's a, he's a better runner. Yep. But, um, you know, Luke Bell certainly, uh, he'll be there after the swim, uh, almost definitely. And more than likely, they'll probably come off the bike together. So, so it could be an exciting showdown, you know. Brownie often does have it his own way in New Zealand. There's often, you know, challenges, but they're not necessarily the, the top, top guys yeah. in the world. So, so Luke Bell has proved himself. He is one of the up-and-coming athletes. Yep. So said, what, three Hawaii top tens? Yeah, so, yeah, so, so he's a good athlete, but he's also racing in WA this weekend in Western Australia. Yep. Um, so, you know, interesting build-up going Hawaii, WA, New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll sort of see how that goes. But It's interesting he's not doing Australia then. Yeah. It so, can't be if it's because well, it's pretty close. It's, it's about a month after. People mm. have doubled up before. But I'd be surprised if he does that. So that's going to be interesting to see how he goes. Um, be cool, but because as you say, Cameron does seem to have his own way in New Zealand. Mm. And uh, Stedler came along a few years ago, but he kind of blew up on the bike. Yeah. And uh, which is ironic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but you know, like Cam does have it his own way. So it'd be kind of cool to see a close race. You know, will we? Yeah. Mm. Maybe you can smash him. Take him, take him down. Oh, you're going to take both out. Cam who? <laughs> yeah, smash him. Um, okay, so also, if you go onto Slow Twitch, we were actually going to bring this up last week, but we forgot, didn't we? We did. But they got an article on Slow Twitch that there was being a drug rumour in Hawaii. And uh, you want to elaborate? I mean, the article is a pretty long article, but it, it ended up being um, a bit of bit sort of nothing-y, really. Yeah, basically someone speculates that there's been... <laughs> it, was, it was all... It kind of sounded like it was a bit of scaremongering from the ITU. Les McDonald was sort of scaremongering, saying there'd been a positive test, and this was... Uh, he was saying this down at the World Cup in New Zealand, and then I think the gossip... Uh, the old grapevine started to really kick yeah. in, and, and then it's, the word started to spread, and then articles started coming out. But, but as it's turned out, the... Um, Nothing has really happened uh, so far. Yeah. But one interesting thing that I, I think there was a comment in there somewhere. Um, you know, Rud, Rud Kabiki, um, when he tested positive, he um, he said, you know, it's a naturally occurring substance, so he should always yeah. test positive. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if he got tested in Hawaii and uh, and whether he does test positive again. Because yeah, because basically he's been found guilty before, but he said, no, nah, it's natural. So every time he does the test now, he has to basically fail to yeah. pass. Exactly. So, so that's a bit of an interesting one, um, but it, it does. Sound but maybe like, you can keep using drugs in. <laughs> yeah. It does very much sound just hearsay, and and I said this, and he said that, and, and nothing's come out. And I just think it is. A few people make the point that it is really disappointing that that all this sort of gossip happens, and 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 for some reason these leaks always seem to come out before the actual news comes out, and yeah. people start getting labelled, and often they're not not guilty at all. So the good thing is they haven't named any names. They're yeah. just saying there was a guilty one. So. Yeah. It's not like they've said, you know, so-and-so is... And that's what's currently happening in cycling, you know. Um, yeah. Obviously, there are plenty of people that are guilty within cycling, but uh, with this Operation Puerto, there's, there's so much speculation on who's doing what, and uh, it'd be really nice if if they do the testing and they just say, right, we're testing these athletes, and when they're finished doing the testings, those people get um, done, and there's not all this sort of leaking to the media and so on. Real shame. And the thing is, in cycling, it's had big, big implications because people are being fired from their teams, and, you know, mm. and, and yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We have a link to the uh, article on our website, www.ironmantalk.com. What else have we got on here? 
Oh, the results. The results. The results from the weekend. Everyone's going to be gloating. Oh, the half, half Ironman we had it on the weekend. It was a uh, kind of a windy hot day. Windy hot day. Um, Bevan and John got taken down. We got taken down. The guy called, what was his name? Eddie Smith. Actually, I might pull up the results. You talk about yeah. it. I'll pull up the results. So, we'll talk a little bit about the race because uh, I'm sure you're all gagging to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. But it was a uh, pretty hot, windy day. Um, the course was down in Ashburton, which is about one hour south of uh, Christchurch. And uh, it's cisport.co.nz. Oh, is it? Yeah. Which one's it? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, but it should get you there. Yeah. Um, and so the course was uh, dead flat. It's a two-lap swim, uh, 1,900 metres. It was reasonably accurate for a swim. Um, and then we had a flat bike course. Uh, it was three laps of 30 kilometres. And uh, you come past start-finish each time, which is kind of cool because everybody gets to see you and you say, say hello to all, the, um, to all the crowd. And then, uh, then what do we have on the... The run, the run was a three-lap course as well, uh, three laps of seven k's. Again, dead flat. Getting pretty toasty. It was pretty warm on both the uh, on the bike and the run, and uh, and that was pretty much it. And the way the race sort of panned out, we had some dipstick who decided to. Uh, I'm going to name him actually Ben Pullum. Dipstick, ben Pullum, dipstick. Who uh, wasn't even actually doing the race. He decided to jump in and just have a swim, and so he led out the swim when he wasn't even doing the race, which highly annoyed me because I was. Uh, in second place and it meant I didn't have a lead kayak which was uh, pretty annoying because the sun was coming up and I couldn't see the boys yeah the sun was really bad you basically turned and you couldn't see where you were going and so so rolling through a swim it was uh, was, it was it was okay it was a nice little lake swim yeah coming out of swim that was um, I came out and I actually got uh, taken down on the just towards the end by uh, Gina Ferguson who's a, who's a was top. I giving you first place I had, that was onto the bike so I was first onto the bike oh okay so we came out of the swim and uh, twenty. I came out in twenty six twenty three, and uh, with transition. With transition. Yep. So I think it might have been just a tad short. I would have expected to do about that without transition. Um, and then uh, so who else? Who was uh, second out of the swim? Probably would have been Eddie. Uh, Eddie. Yep. Eddie Smithy was about a minute uh, minute twenty down, and there was a couple other guys sort of around there. And old Bevo was uh, came in at six. I was pretty happy with that. Sixth place. I had a terrible swim. I didn't have a terrible swim, but I felt like I was going like crap, and I could see yeah. everyone going away. And I thought you guys were going to put like ten minutes on me, and I was beat myself up. And about halfway through the swim, I thought, just find your rhythm and kind of get through it. And I was all by myself. And uh, yeah, it wasn't my heavy place. Yeah, I was pretty happy with my swim. I've been swimming like a dog, but I had my new blue seventy wetsuit on. First time I've raced in it and uh, and swam really well. And Gina also had a blue 70 on. So, well, um, I'm an orca, but it's okay. so we'll, we'll, we'll get you in a blue 70. You can be in blue 70. I'll, I'll say blue 70 if you get me in it. Um, <laughs> so and so, yep. so that went pretty well. And um, and then we're on to the bike. You wanna, uh, for, the, for the bike for me, I'll just talk through my bike ride and then Bevan can uh, chime in with his, his part. I sort of started out pretty conservatively. I, I didn't wasn't really sure what was going on, where people were. So I took it pretty easy. It was getting sun that the wind was picking up. Took it pretty easy. Got to the first turn. Saw that um, a couple of guys behind me, um, Eddie, who I knew was going to be strong, and another guy, Coach Andrew Black, was uh, coming up on me pretty fast. So I wasn't too stressed about that. Yeah. And ended up they caught me at the the end of the first lap uh, and thought that was uh, that was fine. I so I just sit in there and, and I was pretty comfortable. And uh, you want to talk through your first lap? So my first lap, I basically just sat on a heart rate. I worked on a 150 heart rate the whole ride basically, and. Uh, First lap, I was feeling pretty good, and I got to the turnaround. I was out of the swim, I was about three minutes down, my girlfriend told me. So I got to the first lap, and I was only about a, maybe a minute behind you guys. Uh, I think you were at the, at the first turn, the first, first turn. 15k, you were still to about two and a half, was two I? and a half minutes down. Yeah, and then my chain came off. And my chain got stuck. Yeah, so I had to stop, and, and I passed all these guys, and they all caught me out, which is a bit frustrating, but it was only like 20 seconds. And uh, so then, but I was slowly catching you guys by basically by about this third lap, by the beginning of the third lap, I was yeah. with John and who was the other guy? Andrew. Andrew. Yeah, John, Andrew. 
And uh, but the other guy had taken off by this stage. Eddie had actually taken off. And uh, when I caught John in that, I didn't know I didn't know the field that well. And so I kind of said, John, what's Eddie like? And I think he was talking about the other guy, weren't you? And he mm. kind of said he's not that good. So I kind of thought, oh well, we'll just sit him with John, you know, <laughs> stay here for a while and save myself for the run. So I um, had a really good ride. I was really happy with my ride. Sat on 150 the whole time, except for that last little bit where I slowed down a little bit, but felt really comfortable on the bike. And yeah, it was a good ride. Yeah. So how the rest of the ride panned out for me? I was uh, having a pretty pretty tough day wasn't wasn't feeling very good at all I was actually having to work pretty hard to stay with the guys and I was actually the difference and and when you're, you're racing for the win with when as to when you're racing for uh for, for a good time and a good position yeah. is uh, I decided to you know just just uh, take, just just had to hang in there and I had to stay with the guys and, and I was was suffering pretty badly I wasn't in, in a good place um yeah, after the first lap, um, the other guys caught me up, so I just sort of sat with them, and the guy who ended up winning the race, Eddie, actually rode away from me on the second lap, um, and then we actually pulled him back, um, so I'm not quite sure what happened there, we didn't seem to speed up, he must have slowed down, and then um, and then he, then he took off again on the last lap, and, and Bevan sort of caught us sort of during that lap, and I was I was hoping Bevan was going to ride us up to him. You should have told me, mate, because I, I, I thought he was just really easy, so I thought, oh well, we'll just let him go and we'll catch him in the run. But never mind, and uh, and I was suffering like a dog, and it, was, it wasn't looking good, <laughs> and um, and so I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen on the run, and then um, I'm not going to talk about Andrew, because he's going to be our age group of the week. Yeah, yeah, he'd Bad fortune. But, uh, and then we came off the bike and, and I was just sort of sitting in behind Bevan coming off the bike and then onto the run. And the run, the first lap of the run, I felt like absolute crap. So John, John and I were head to head, you know, we were just neck and neck together. But basically I sat behind John the first lap because I was struggling because I just haven't done that much running recently. And I was just thinking, oh my God, if John picks up the pace here, I'm going to be in so much trouble. And uh, so I was feeling like absolute crap. Yeah. And John was saying this morning, uh, he was getting pissed he, off he with me. He wasn't just feeling like crap, he was sounding like crap. He was... <laughs> Even <laughs> I was just almost turned around and said, "Look, if you can just can you just piss off if you're going to be that noisy?" And uh, and so I, I I felt okay. I was just sort of sitting in third gear and and uh, and was hoping I was going to start to feel better, but I was just sort of in in sort of cruise mode, just sort of getting a bit of fuel in. And and I noticed when I went to grab for a gel, I heard Bevan going to grab for his gel. The bastard. <laughs> And, uh, and and so it was pretty uneventful. It was getting pretty toasty on the run. Yeah, it was pretty warm. We came off the bike uh, a minute and a half down uh, on, on Eddie Smith, and then um, we, uh, for the first little K, we, we, we held the gap, and then when we got to the first turn, I calculated about two minutes. So he was pulling away from us from the start, and yeah. uh, and I said that to Bevan, and I wasn't, I wasn't too happy. And then come the end of the end of the first lap, Bevan was still heaving way behind me, and, and our girls were on the sideline and said, don't race for second. Yeah, Belinda, John's wife, basically said, don't race for second and third, you know, try win it. And at that stage, I instantly felt better, I think, and, and then I just thought, I better try to see if I can win this thing. So I kind of picked up the pace, and then you know, that's when I kind of dropped you, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. I wasn't, uh, I just wasn't going to get out of third gear and never got out of third gear all day from there on in, just sort of... Uh, it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't that hard, and and I just, uh, I don't know what it was. I just didn't really want it that badly, um, so it was just a bit of a, ended thing, up just plodding through for me. The thing for me was that I broke away from John, and then about just before halfway in the run, I started to cramp really bad to the point where I just about had to stop, and I was really stressing. And you just about caught me up again, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So John's just about catching me up, and I'm thinking, oh, if he catches me, I was going to break my heart. <laughs> and uh, and I was so basically I went into avoidance, so I really um, shortened up my um, stride. Um, just kind of just kept moving the legs for a period and it was to the point where the right leg honestly every muscle was just cramping I thought jeez I was going to have to stop but I just kind of worked my way through that and then about a minute later it came round and then I was able to kick in again and so from there I just kind of found a yeah. good pace and went home yeah, yeah. So, last lap I really just 
settled down and just <laughs> <laughs> ran to the finish. I was I was pretty worried actually coming off the bike with uh, we had Brandon Del Campo, who's yeah. a guy from America, who's just flown in and he's spending the summer here. He actually had a pretty strong ride. Um, and he's a good runner and he's a very very good runner um, and so he wasn't actually very far at all behind us off the bike and uh, I, th- I thought he might run up to us um, but he didn't luckily he was having a, didn't have a very good 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 run on the day but he yep. uh, still finished in uh, fourth place yep. so just to give you guys an idea on the splits um, Eddie uh, did four hours uh, even go, it's four eleven I think he did four, four eleven something yeah. like that and Bevan you were about what four four minutes behind him something yeah, like that yep. and I was uh, about two minutes or so behind Bevan yeah so it was a bit a bit of a shame we got taken down, um, yeah. but uh, Eddie's a pretty handy athlete. Yeah. Uh, I've raced him a few times before, and uh, he's training up for the the Challenge Wanaka race or oh, Challenge Queenstown. Okay, and uh, I'm not sure if he's doubling up and doing Ironman New Zealand as well. But I'd be interesting to see how he goes over the longer distance. Um, yeah, he's he's a good runner. And, so overall, uh, what do you think of your race? Uh, it was just a, a third gear race for me. I was pretty happy with my swim, yeah. um, and uh, you know, deep down, I was uh, I. I I thought I was uh, wasn't going to ride well, and and uh, and I didn't. But I was sort of hoping that I would. Yeah. Um, but I was probably most disappointed with my run. I thought I'd, um, I thought I'd, uh, even if I didn't ride well, I thought I'd still be able to run well. Yeah. Um. So so a little disappointing, but I but you know uh, I know what I've got to do, and I, I sort of. Uh, Sort of know where I need to be in in, uh, in eight weeks' time, and and what I'm finding at the moment is I'm I'm very comfortable with my where I'm at with my Ironman pace, and I know that when I sort of try to lift it, that's when I really start to struggle at the moment. Yeah. So, not too concerned. I've got some uh, I've got my plan mapped out for the rest of the season, so I'm pretty comfortable. Come uh, the main races, that I'll uh, be, yep. be there or thereabouts. Nice. What about you? Um, I, yeah, I was happy with my day. My goal going into it, I just half Ironman was just a kind of a new distance to me in a way. So, my goal going into it was just to make good decisions and. Looking back to some things I learnt, but you know, it's just a good solid day out. I hadn't really had very good preparation. I had to teach four hours of classes on the Thursday before the race, and so, um, and I'd just been in Taipei. So, in some ways, you know, I just think I had a really good solid day. So, I was happy with it. Yeah. So, it was a good little, good little field. Just uh, so uh, Eddie was first, Bevan second, me third, fourth was uh, Brandon Del Campo, and fifth, I think, was uh, Andrew Lawrence, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, no. No. Andrew Black, I think. Other Andrew. Scroll, scroll, Andrew. scroll down one. Yeah, Andrew Lawrenson. Oh, okay, sorry. I thought um, it was Andrew Black. No, up, up one. Who was uh, fifth overall? Fifth would have been that person there. So that was, that, that was uh, yep. Yep. Andrew Lawrenson in fifth place. On the girls' side of things, uh, very impressive performance by Gina Ferguson. Um, she was uh, first female. Pretty convincingly, she did 4.38, I think it was. Uh, yep. I think she was about seventh or eighth overall. Um, she just... Uh, Nipped in front of me at the, in the in the swim and uh, biked a two hours forty and ran a one thirty one, so pretty solid all round day. And she's training up for Ironman and definitely one to watch uh, if she can uh, up her biking quite a bit. You know, I really think she could uh, could do do quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, very gutsy little girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, second place, I think we had uh, second place Catherine Kat, Kate Lester. Um, she got third last year, so picked it up for second. And in third place, we had uh, Tanya Merchant. So. Those two's had a bit of a role reversal from last year. Two people ended up in hospital. Oh, really? Yeah, one guy completely passed out on the run. Really? And, uh, wow. and I left after the race. And he, he wasn't in a good place. And then actually uh, another girl I, I coached, she got sunstroke and she ended up in hospital wow. as well. Wow. So uh, interesting day. Um, I, I pretty much finished the race and left. Because I had my balance and my girlfriend needed to go for a ride and we had Christmas in the park. So, oh, you know, you got Christmas. balance, you know? Yeah. We talk about balance. So that's uh, that's round one over. Yeah, so, oh, is that one? I might not be winning the picks, but I got it's the race. Open, no, it's, it's one all. One, it's one all, you see. Oh, you're calling the picks a one, are you? 
Yeah. We've won all. We're last, last time we raced Taupo. Oh, that's true. All. Yeah. Okay, so, oh, when's the next time we race? Taupo. Oh, bring it on, Tim Pong. Yeah. <laughs> Rightio, here we go. So, um, what else? Um, Ironman Western Australia is coming up this weekend, and I've got the start list right here. Not many to be pros. Oh, there's a few. Uh, it's a good, good Aussie battle there. Um, you know, it's going to be the between the guys, it's going to be the big battle between. Let's uh, just scroll up a little bit there, Bevan, would you? Oh, it's a little bit higher. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably uh, why I didn't think there were many guys. <laughs> we've got, we've got uh, Mitchell Anderson, who's a defending champion. Yep. He's going to be, uh, will be the one to beat. And then Luke Bell's racing. Yeah, um, Jason Shortus. And Jason Shortus. And I think it'll come down to those two, those three. Jonas Colting is down on the start list, but I don't think he's racing. Um, so yeah, I, think, I think he's injured. I think yeah. Brendan was saying he's injured. Yeah. So, or sick or something like that. So I like think that. he's gone home. He, ra- he raced, uh, I think he got seventh or something like that in the World Long Course Champs a few weeks ago. Yeah. So those would be the three to watch. There are some other very, very handy athletes as well. Um, Courtney Ogden. Uh, now, he got second in Canada uh, last year. Um, Andrew Johns is going to be one to watch. Now, he's an Aussie guy. He's a short course athlete. Uh, very, very good short course athlete. One of the top top in the world. Raced at the Olympics. Uh, races for Great Britain, but he is an Aussie. Yep. Um, if he's within Kui of the guys coming off the bike, he could be a real threat. And uh, and also Chris McDonald, who's uh, sort of a half Kiwi, half Aussie. Yep. Uh, he's still quite young, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris is Chris is pretty young. Oh, so he's, I he's my age. No, no. Um, oh, I'm quite young too. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a you've got a year on him. Yeah, I'm and so old. Chris is uh, he can do some real damage on the bike. Um, I don't think he's going to be challenging for the, the win, but mm. um, you know he'd definitely be challenging. Well, he'd probably be disappointed. Place. I think Chris wants to really win the race, and Luke Bell turning up probably you know breaks his heart. Yeah, <laughs> so that'll be interesting. Also, Petra Vabusic uh, will be there. He'll always be there or thereabouts, catching people if they start to falter a bit. Yep. On the girls' side of things, um, we've got Angela Milne, who's defending champion from last year. Uh, she'll be she'll be hard to beat. Um, Charlotte Paul. Charlotte Paul, I'm not familiar with her. No. Marilyn McDonald will be there. It's Chris's uh, partner. Chris's partner. She's um, but like, but up and down like a yo-yo. Um, if she's on form, you know she's um, yep. she's pretty strong on the bike. She's won some races, isn't she? She's won Ironman Malaysia before and, yep. and had some some good other finishes. So if she's on, she she'll do well. If she's yep. off, she's gonna she's gonna really struggle. Uh, and probably the other the, the other two that I'd really uh, look out for are Elizabeth Christensen, who's yep. a, is a fantastic athlete. Uh, I think she's from Denmark. Ha- won a number of races, and again, if she's on form, she'll be hard to beat. And one to, to really look out for is Joe King. It's a bit of a blast from the past. Oh, the old school. <laughs> she's Joe King. Joe King. Oh, that's a great name, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's a former world short course athlete. She's won Ironmans before. Uh, Still seen quite young, only yeah. 30. I reckon the ages are wrong. No, no, they're not. She's, she's a young girl, but she... Uh. Uh, she was. You'll hear in the interview. She's. She was. I don't know if she still is coached by Brett Sutton, and uh, and she just she excelled under his program. Oh really? Um, and she was. She was very very good at short course, and she's won an Ironman. I'm, I'm almost certain of. Um, so I'm not sure if she's you know really back into it full time or, or quite what. But if she is, very very dangerous athlete, very very good runner. Um, so I think those would be the ones to uh, to watch out for on the women's side of things. Um, I'd say good luck to Sean O'Leporno. He's doing the race this weekend. He's been giving me some race reports or updates on what's happening over there, and he's very excited. It's really cool because they have a long pier yeah. um, going out, and you, you swim, swim around. around the pier, which is yeah. yeah. So he said it'll be really wicked with all the spectators there because you can just hear them as you're going, you know, because it's quite a lonely time to swim normally. Yeah. So be interesting day. Pretty flat course. Uh, likely to be pretty warm, but also likely to be pretty breezy. So we're obviously right on the coast, and I think yeah, you're more or less right up a coastal road. One of the big things in Australia is at the moment they've got a banana shortage because all their, yeah, banana, right. <laughs> their banana stocks all got wiped out by the storm. They, they, they grow a lot of bananas up in uh, Queensland. And, 
And so bananas apparently are like twelve or thirteen dollars a kg. Yeah, which you know, is which really is expensive. Over, over here, you know, it's about two or three dollars a kg. Yeah. And part of the reason is um, apparently they've got some law where um, you can't import, you can only import Tariffs bananas on, yeah. Um, yeah. from New Zealand or whatever, and we don't even grow them here. So they've got a real banana shortage, <laughs> and uh, that's going to create a huge cost uh, implication for the race organisers. So hopefully you guys still get your bananas out there. Maybe they can get Bonita to sponsor them. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I found really interesting when I was looking at uh, the, basically the start list is that they're having a team section. Oh. Yeah, now I'm not sure if they're allowed. Well, they must be allowed to do it. You generally don't find teams in um, Ironman races, but because Ironman West... This could be our discussion for the week. Oh, we've already got a discussion oh, okay. for the week. Sorry. <laughs> um, if you go to um, you know Roth and also the Challenge Race that's yep. going to be in New Zealand, there is a team component. But um, you know, don't quote me on this, but uh, it does. I think in no other Ironman races well, around the world, since, you, you yeah. have teams. Um, I think the reason for it probably here is uh, it's the, the field doesn't reach capacity, um, and so they're probably just trying to, to fill it up. Yep. But I'm sure if, if they do get to the stage where the field does fill, I'd, I'd be very, very surprised if they, they uh, keep the teams in there. What's your thoughts on teams? Um, uh, Good moneymaker. Yeah, as, as long as um, individuals aren't missing out. One of the problems we've got here in New Zealand is we've got a, a race called the Tauranga Half Ironman, um, and that's our sort of premier half Ironman. It's also the New Zealand Champs. This year it's sold out very, very early. First time ever it's sold out so early. A lot of individuals have missed out um, oh, okay. and wanting to race, um, yet there's still a huge number of teams. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, it is a good moneymaker for them because generally racers charge the same amount for each person in the team. Exactly. Is what you would... like. Um, we've talked a lot about the coast-to-coast, and the coast-to-coast um, is the multi-sport race we talked about, and I did that years ago, and um, you pay the same as a team member as what you would for an individual, and it's like 900 bucks to do the race. And, mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So... Um, yeah, I don't have a. I mean, I don't really have a problem with teams. I think it's a bit of a shame if individuals miss out um, because of the the team component yeah. side of things. Um, hmm, what about you? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I kind of think that. Oh, I suppose it's okay. You're still doing a marathon, aren't you? And it, it's a it's a good way to get people into the sport. Yeah, um, and and I think you know, for a spectator, they're always inspired by watching an Ironman, aren't they? and these people are more involved than the spectator. So you know, maybe that's a stepping stone to the path of becoming a real Ironman. Mm, mm. Yeah, I just think it's a real problem when there's a, you can't get into races. We don't have such a problem in New Zealand. No, it just must be such a nightmare in America where you just it's a real yeah. struggle to get into races. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, oh, there you go. So it's not our discussion for this week. Maybe well, next week. <laughs> uh, lastly, in the news, we've got uh, Hawaii has now got the TV schedule. For Americans. Yeah, for Americans. So for you American listeners out there, if you go, we'll have a link on uh, our website, www.imantalk.com. But um, just basically showing you where, and they're going to show what, Hawaii? Hawaii's on December the 9th on uh, NBC at uh, 4 till 6 p.m., two hours. Eastern. Eastern time. Yep. Um, and then on, oh, it's a long way off. Yep, March 31st, I'll have the 70.3 uh, Champs uh, Draft Fest yep. uh, at 2 to 3 p.m. On, on Eastern time. If you go to uh, ironman.com, like Bevan said, um, they'll have the, the, the information there. But um, yeah, Ironman Champs, 9th of December, which is uh, just a couple of weeks away. Yep. Uh, so watch up and send, maybe send us a copy if yeah. anybody watches it. <laughs> Someone put it on YouTube. Because we were, yeah, put it on YouTube or something like that because we won't We've had nearly 10,000 watches of that thing on YouTube. Really? Yeah, it's awesome, oh. eh? Yeah. Because we won't get it in New Zealand for bloody ages. Yeah. So. So that's on ESPN, eh? Yeah. Okay, so, uh, yep, that's pretty much our news for this week, it is. Yep. Okay, news for the week. So, hot topic of the week was. Wait, do we have music for hot topic or not? No, we don't. No, we, we, just, we, don't kinda, have we music. just go into it. So. Okay. Hot topic for the week. 
The Bevan's hot topic last week. Yep. You can, you can, you can uh, Okay, so basically we, we've said, what do you want for Christmas? As an Ironman athlete, what's important to you in life? You know, what, what makes you happy? And we've got some interesting answers. It was all pretty comical, really. So Lisa basically said she wants a new set of legs because she's, <laughs> uh, she's got a half hour. Yep, so she wants some legs. Oh, by the way, she wants to know if I know her brother, Brett. Well, I know a few Bretts. So. Well, there's a guy up in Auckland called Brett Hickman, um, who I've met once or twice, so that's probably who she's talking about. He lives in Auckland. Oh, well, I know lots of Bretts in Auckland. So. You do? Okay. I know lots of people. One thing through my job is, you know, thousands of people, so probably. <laughs> He's my best mate. Fegan wanted a lottery win, and uh, then he could ditch the nine to five. Nice. Um, TJ, he wanted power meters. Well, you got that? I've got power meters. New actually, wheels? Actually, a few people have been asking about the power meter, and uh, in all honesty, I've been... Uh, Playing around with it a little bit, but um, I've just been too busy to really analyse it deeply. And I'm getting a, a new a new bike. I'm getting a new bike soon, a new genius bike. You go out like, training with me, get so frustrated by. It. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm still working through it, and uh, I'm just basically waiting for my new bike to arrive. And once I've got all that set up, then I'm going to really go for it. Um, okay, nice. So we'll do an Ergamo special at some stage. Nice. He's got, so he wants power meter, new mills, and Lactec Pro. That should do it. He's not that greedy. No. Yeah. F- f- uh, Matt wanted a Filipino Masu. Uh, oh, you missed out, Joel, because it was bigger. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I missed out, Joel. Yeah, I've got Matt. Uh, he wanted a Filipino Massa. Moved to Hong Kong. There's plenty of them there. Yep, and they're cheap. Um, so Joel wants some zip wheels, 808s, or maybe some 404s. He's not fussy. Into yeah. a virtual trainer to ride on any course in the world, maybe some nice shoelaces. Mm. Oh, and a year's supply of coffee for Hawaii. So he wow. wants. Yes. He's got the sponsor. It's very good, he yep. does. Yep. Uh, and then Douglas wanted uh, an endless pool. Yep. Um, which would be nice. Would you uh, like it? What do you think of the endless pool? I don't like them. I, I couldn't. I mean, I think they're good for just doing a little bit of technique analysis. Yeah. Um, but but I couldn't swim for more than Have you done ten it? minutes. Have you been yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been in them run a couple of times. It's, it's quite. It's fun. Yeah, I, I like getting it's kind in of a fatty thing, isn't it? I, I don't think I could do a full workout in there. But it's all about um, you know, if you didn't have access to a pool. Then you know, then I'd, I'd be there. And one thing I did like about it is that it has a mirror underneath, so you can see what your stroke's doing, and I thought that was really cool. Mm. Um, yep. Um, back, he says, back to reality. He'd uh, like what it, a, what, what it takes. So that's that's a good little movie present there. Yep. I mean, a good little Christmas present. Yep. Um, Just www.wit.com, yep. I think it was, or wotmovie.com. Yep. Um, we've we've had a good good watch of it. Yep. Uh, Fegan actually sent through a link. Did you, did you see I the link? I did see the link. Beautiful. He got a link from me. It's a t-shirt. It's a, it's a Chinese symbol for love. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Very cheesy. Oh, love. Uh, you know what? Love. <laughs> Gumps. Extension to all his kit. He seems to need to be getting. Okay, nice. Um, Jason wants ear points. Lots mm. and lots of ear points because basically his race is a Newfoundland, which is expensive. I used to actually have a friend who used to work at points. Oh, really? And they scam it for you, did they? And on the zero. Really? Really? <laughs> One thing you can do in New Zealand is get someone to get people to get flybys cards for you. Yeah. And then just put it in your name. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, Ed, that's you. Ed wanted to play a bit more. Hide the sausage with the wife. Well, I'm just going to leave that one. Yeah. Uh, time machine, so I go back to... Oh, okay, so T-Rex. Now, this is one that I would like. A time machine that you go back to when you stop swimming at 10 and kick his own ass into shape and stop being so soft. <laughs> I never actually did swim when I was younger, but I was thinking, you know, if I could go back and when I was young and just do swimming. I wish oh. I could still swim as fast as I was when I was a kid. I went when um, we were moving, I was, you know, when you... You finally get yep. to your house and you've got to clear everything out and of you your parents' on, place. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I go down there and I actually found all my old training diaries when I was like about um, you know, 12, yeah. 12, 13. And we used to do 3K time trials and things like that. 
and I was looking at my times, and I was looking at my times now, and they're <laughs> significantly slower. It's kind of, it's a bit of a bummer, really, because when yeah. you're 12, you've still got so much development in you. Yeah. Uh, lastly, from Sean the Porno, who's doing the race this weekend, he wants a Montice Summer Ale. Now, for you who don't know, Montice is a, a uh, beer. I've got some of that sitting in my fridge right now. There you go. John can give it to you. Yeah. And uh, Anti-Draft Taser, which I think is kind of good. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> that, eh? In the race, someone goes... <laughs> we did get that as a, as, a, uh, as a suggestion, didn't we, to taser people if they got caught drafting. That's right. That's it. Imagine that just on the back of your seat. You have a taser <laughs> and your button on your handlebars. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so that was a pretty lighthearted one this week. What's our one for next week? The one for the next week is sort of a, a, a carry-on from this. What we oh, want. We want yeah. uh, suggestions on websites where you can get really good deals. Yeah, because um, we, you, go on, you go on Google and you look for cheap deals for gear, basically, for cycle gear and all your gear. And you get your shops, obviously, who to figure out how to be top in the Google search. But there are the odd website when you get some really great deals. Torpedo 7. Oh, one yeah, in New Zealand. Yeah. Torpedo 7 is one in New Zealand where they're basically imported selling at really cheap costs and uh, look, for example you basically in a shop you pay $12 for a tube in New Zealand whereas you can buy 10 for about $3 each mm-hmm. on Torpedo 7 um, and all their gear is very cheap. Now we want to find out where all the really good websites are in the world where in your place where that you know of where you know you're really getting a good deal you know mm. not just you know your retail you know a really bargain put it on the website and that way we can all have more choice of you know getting exactly. it out there. Yeah so we're looking, it's all about shopping at this time of year, isn't it? It is. Ah, oh, the consumer market, eh? <laughs> there we go. So that's our news and hot topic for this week. Age Grouper of the Week. Beautiful. Righty ho. Had my so head going there too. He did. He had yeah. he's going, waiting for the high five. I look like a Muppet character, like animal going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so age group of the week from this week is uh, from our race at the weekend. Oh, great race. How'd you go, John? Uh, yeah, pretty average. <laughs> uh, you'll get the revenge, don't you? You'll feel, you'll feel the, the wrath of John. The wrath of John. Um, a guy was was actually riding with um, with me. He's, uh, his name's Andrew Black. He attacked us too. When I caught up with John, he attacked us big time, didn't he? He did that. Boom, he, he took he, off. He actually did that because he wanted to go for a pee. And, uh, oh, did he, he? He didn't want to have to chase us down because I was exactly, I said to him after the race, what were you doing, you idiot? Yeah, Because like I, coach, I coach him. And uh, he said he wanted to get out the road um, go so for he'd go for a pee. And then uh, he wouldn't have to catch us back up. So. Did he go for a pee? He did so. go for a pee, yeah, because oh. we caught him, caught him up again. I thought he just slowed down. Yeah. Okay. So he's our age group of the week um, because basically he uh, he was riding with us and we we're just coming t- coming towards the finish and around about three k from the finish he had a hard sort of uh, almost a one eighty degree uh, right hand turn. Yep. And uh, he broke his chain, snapped <laughs> yeah. it in half, and uh, rather than just giving up and calling it a day, it was around about sort of two to three k from transition. Uh, he ran into transition and uh, carried on and finished the race and and. Uh, Probably still got a, a, quite well, sort of in the top ten, I think. Yeah. Um, so a pretty solid day, and just a shame he probably would have ended up finishing top five, prob- at least. probably fifth, fifth or sixth. Yep. Um, I would have said. Uh, so a bit of a shame for him, but uh, he gets our age group of the week for, uh, for the spirit for of the sport, isn't it? Spirit of the sport, you know. and, and carry on going, and uh, and he was sort of up the top there as well. Yeah. So good on Andrew. Very, Very good. Well you are our age, age group, group of, of the week. week. One, two, three, four, high five. The head goes again. The head goes again. It's good. Oh, I used to love Adam on the Muppets. Yeah. Did you like the Muppets? <laughs> Bangs his bloody drums. Yeah. I love And Cookie Monster eating Cookie cookies. Monster. Those are my highlights of my life. Yeah. Okay, so we've got our part two of the 
week before the race, now we had a question from someone last week, I can't remember who it was, and they said, what do you do during race week? And John actually, clever as he is, put it in two yes. parts. He did, yes. Beautiful, mate. And so today we're doing the day before the race. Maybe not a Friday. Maybe not a Friday, maybe a Saturday. Generally a Friday. Generally a Friday. <laughs> so do you want to go first? Yeah, you might have a few other things to pitch in here. Okay. Um, but generally what I recommend in terms of on, on a training front, the day before the race, is uh, probably go down around about race start time. So if the race is on Saturday at 7 o'clock, you'd probably go down, say, 7 o'clock on Friday and do a short swim bike run. So... Uh, Get in there, probably swim about 10 to 10 to 15 minutes, yep. bike around about 20 minutes, and run sort of 10 to 15 minutes. So um, why are we doing this? Sure. Just just a bit of a, a blowout the, the day before the race, uh, just to tick over. It's not going to take any energy out of you to do a, do a short little workout, um, and then you basically got the rest of the day just to And to, is it low start. intensity? Uh, oh, you're low, low intensity, you're not, not high intensity, but sort of just a nice steady yep. pace. Yep. Um, one key thing when you, after you've done this though is to make sure you get your wetsuit out to dry because it is obviously only the day before the race but don't just leave your wetsuit in a corner just uh, yep. drying off like that you want to have your wetsuit bone dry on race day so uh, get it outside if it's a nice day dry it off uh, if it's not get it inside and, and get it dried off nice um, so after that you know have your breakfast and then meet up with some friends for some coffee and relax it's, uh, it's the day before the race you really just want to kind of get into a relaxed feeling and just no stress on your body and stuff or maybe go back to your hotel and have a bit of a sleep yeah and uh, and just I mean those sorts of things just help to kill a little bit of time um, so it's often quite good to have a bit of a get together at the swim bike run session and, and do that with all your sort of training buddies the last yep. little session and then go out for a, for a coffee um, and again just to kill some time my number three is uh, again to kill kill more time is probably have a movie ready to watch something yep. that uh, you know, either your favourite movie or something you've wanted to see for ages again that'll kill a couple of hours you're really trying to do quite a few things on this day to keep you know, your mind, take, off, keep your mind yeah. off the race rather than just psyching yourself all day um, obviously you do want to spend some time visualising going through the race and, and having a good day but you don't want to do that all, all day it will just uh, it'll eat you up um and another thing to do is maybe do some shopping or just go for a walk, just relax with your partner. Mm. Share some love. It's, I, you know, I, I get the t-shirt. Get, get the t-shirt. Have some love. <laughs> I, I always go for a bit of a wander the day before, and especially yeah. if I'm an overseas race in a big city, I'd yeah. always go shopping. You don't want to be out there for hours, um, but, it, but it's perfectly fine to go for a nice walk. I just think you've got to be careful. The reason why I added this one is, is just not sitting on your butt all day, sitting around at home. You just do want to keep uh, moving a little bit and stretching and just keep yep. your blood flowing. Yep. And uh, number five. Oh, it's me. Clean the bike again. Again, because yeah. we cleaned it the day before. But <laughs> we, cleaned, we cleaned it again. We cleaned it during the week. We're cleaning it again. <laughs> we cleaning it again. Give it that last little shine up. Just one thing. Um, we, uh, Maybe we can talk about this in another one. But it was interesting. My partner, we came along to the race for last weekend. And my partner, I've talked often of how she's a really good cyclist. And her, and even you, you're quite similar to her. So before the race, just about finding your own ways as an athlete. And uh, before the race, John's very focused, aren't you? Yeah, whereas me, I'm chatting away to everyone. That's something we've got to chat about. <laughs> Coach to athlete chat. <laughs> but John, John's basically, you know, John and my partner are very focused and uh, like the morning of the race, they're very calm and just walking around and in their own place and like you went away once we got to the race and did your own thing. And it was interesting because I'm totally different. I'm basically socialising with everyone, talking to everyone. And it was mm. just interesting, the contrasting styles. And it's, it, for me, it was just a real example of you really need to find a place that works for you. Mm. Um, I'm someone who quite relaxed and just I prefer to be social before a race than actually sit down and think about it a lot and uh, maybe it takes my mind away from the race and uh, whereas John so like you like to find yeah I just just do my own thing and I'm, and I'm definitely not there to socialise and the same thing the, the days uh, the day before uh, I'm not there to socialise I'm there to yeah, to do as well as I can and, and that sort of works for me mm. so I don't necessarily tell everybody to do the same way as no, me no. But, but I think um, 
one of the things that I think you do need to have is, is um, a little bit of structure there to make sure you get all, all yep. the right things done and you're not going to forget things and not going to stress yourself out. Yeah, so, so that's where your plan comes into place. But it was just really interesting seeing the different ways and um, I think it's really important to know how you work to be your best. Mm. And uh, yeah, definitely it was interesting. So there we go. It's going to be a long show today. It's going to be a long show. There we go. Website of the week. Okay, so we had this website sent in by... Uh, Nick Nick Matthews. He's actually sent in two. So this this week is going to be uh, edition one. Two. And we've got another one that's, that's uh, similar-ish next week. Um, similar-ish. I had a quick scan through them. It's actually pretty cool. It's called uh, sportsinjuryclinic.net. Yep. And uh, you basically go in there. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, Bevan hasn't looked at it yet, so we're going to do a live demonstration. Okay. So it's basically, if you, uh, you know, sort of a, it's a, a self-assessment of, of your injuries or, or things like that. So... Okay, so I've got a small quadricep right now, so I'll click on my quad. Click on your quadricep. Okay, there we go. There's a couple of pictures of uh, people there with all their muscles and, and so on. Okay. You basically, click, Bevan's clicked on the quad, and then it's got a, it's, it's got a few different things that might be wrong with you. Have you got a quad, yep, quad okay, strain? So I've got, got a, dead leg. He's got a dead leg. Okay, I'm doing that. Yep, click, yes. So click, yes, that's what I've got. Yep. And then it's basically going to tell you um, you've got a dead leg or a quadricep contusion. Uh, and then it says what is a contusion uh, and then it goes into there are two different types of contusion and they've got, they got a few good google ads there for you um, and then it goes down what are the symptoms um, how, to, how to sort of Ooh. check it how can I return to fitness in the shortest time so yeah. yeah it's really good isn't it and then it sort of tells you keep going down uh, what you can do to, to try and get it better uh, and, and so on and so on so it goes through this so you can really do uh, quite a bit of uh, self-assessment on 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 yep. what might be wrong with you. Now, I think this is a little bit dangerous doing self uh, yeah, It's self-assess- only an aid, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but I think what this uh, website is really good for, not necessarily always using it if you feel a little ache or pain, um, but it's actually a really good educational tool just to, to know the different muscle groups, how they work, what causes different things. Because I think if we if we start to you know not go to the health professionals and seeing them as you go, oh, I've got a little, I'm a little bit sore here. I'm just going to treat that area. And often it's you know other things that might be causing that to happen. It's not just that acute area. Yep. You got to yep. look for the causes rather than just uh, and just what's going on. But I still think it's a really useful tool um, just to, to help educate yourself. We don't want to become hypochondriacs and uh, every time you feel a little ache and yeah. pain going, oh, what's wrong with me? And uh, being in a constant state of yeah. uh, thinking you're injured. Oh, my gimme league. <laughs> yeah. So you just got to be a bit careful of that. But um, but I think this is a really good website for just for educating yourself on what's going on. Um, and, and even if you do this sort of in conjunction with seeing a... a a um a therapy a therapist about yeah. uh, any injuries you might have. I think the important message is that if you've got an injury, you still got to go see your doc. But exactly, this may help you identify what it is. And if it's not a major injury, maybe like for example, my sore quad isn't a major injury, and I've got some really good examples of what you can do to help. Yeah, with and that. it's it's also got on there um, a number of links to you know. Um, to medical practices, so if you don't know where to go, if you haven't got your specialist place, yep. you, can, you can find a clinic, um, and it's got a, got, a, got a whole lot of other things on there, strapping and taping, uh, we haven't looked into it in huge detail, but uh, yeah, a really, really good little site, sportsinjuryclinic.net. We'll have it on our www.ironmantalk.com. Coaches Corner. I didn't know what you were going to say for a second. There, didn't didn't. You? <laughs> there, was a, there was a slight pause. I was just thinking, what the hell are we doing now? 
Coach's Corner, we've done, earlier on today we did an interview with John Hellmans, a uh, bit of an intro on John, he's uh, probably about a six or seven time world age group champion, yep. uh, formerly finished in the top 20 in the world at the age of 40 in elite racing, also finished I think about sixth or seventh of the world champs once when he was uh, still a working athlete, so very, very accomplished athlete, uh, he's finished one Ironman distance race at about the age of close on 50 as well, going sub 10 hours. Uh, so as an athlete, very, very accomplished. As a coach, he's coached uh, multiple world champions, coached Aaron Baker, coached the current world, uh, well, last year's world under-23 champ, Andrea Hewitt. Chris Gemmell at the Chris moment. Chris Gemmell, Debbie Nelson, world duathlon champion. And he's had a big role in, in a huge number of New Zealand athletes. Been um, in the sport for a long time. Yeah, one of the real pioneers, uh, probably been from the early 80s, basically. Uh, multiple New Zealand champion. Good guy, Dutch, um, Dutch, New yep. Zealander. My girlfriend's Dutch, so they're yeah, all good. Yep. So you can oogle the boogle, smoogle talk together. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, very, very knowledgeable. A Calvin Yao. A Calvin Yao. That's I love you in Dutch. <laughs> he's uh, a doctor, uh, and he's uh, specialises in uh, sports, you know, sports yep. science as well. So very knowledgeable guy. John's got a new book out. Um, it's more of a sort of a guide than necessarily a book and, yeah. and a collection of his thoughts on, on uh, triathlon coaching. Now, we're going to have a link up on our site uh, if you want to purchase this book. Yep. Um, so you just need to fill in that it's going to be a Word document, uh, email it in to, to me, and we'll get it across to you. Uh, so, so what the book is, it's basically a wiro-bound guide. It's around about 45 pages long. Yep. Short uh, book. Short, short guide, basically on the fundamentals of coaching, different styles of coaching, different styles of athletes, how to deal with them. And one of the things John points out of the, in the interview, not just for coaches, it also helps athletes sort of understand how the coach works. What it's not is not, it's not full of training programs no, or anything no. like that. It's just sort of... It's the, more about the relationships, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And, and the fundamentals of, of what it takes to be a triathlon coach. So a good little guide, um, but we just wanted to state that it's not not training yeah, programs and get, all that yeah. sort of things yeah. and heart rate zones. It's just on on sort of the coaching style. So. Okay, so uh, we're going to have John on pretty much right... Right now. Now. Okay, so on the show today, we've got uh, Dr. John Hellemans, world-renowned coach, uh, formerly my coach as well, and uh, also an author, and uh, he's currently doing a Prime Minister's Scholarship down here in New Zealand, sort of studying best coaching practices, so we're, we're happy to have him on the show. He's uh, formerly based in Christchurch, but currently down in uh, down the deep south in Dunedin. How's things down in Dunedin today, John? Uh, it's not too bad, actually. I think we're hitting uh, double figures uh, <laughs> today in temperature-wise, so um, hopefully it's going to um, be okay for a bike ride later today. Have you been out swimming with the icebergs? Well, we have. We, we spent our first session in the harbour, the Dunedin Harbour, this last Saturday. We lasted about 20 minutes, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, we were hit by a subtly gale at the same time, so it was all fun and games. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's our motto, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But, uh, generally, it's, uh, it's good training down here in Dunedin. For, for those guys that, that aren't New Zealanders listening to the show, we've actually uh, been some big news the last couple of weeks. We've had a few icebergs floating along the side of New Zealand and actually going past Dunedin. So uh, the water down there is a little bit chillier, but it's, it's a nice place to be. So the main reason we got um, wanted to get John on the show today is he's uh, got a new sort of uh, tr- coach's guide and, and sort of training book out um, that we'd like to talk a bit about. Um, so John, what was sort of the, the purpose behind uh, bringing out this book? Well, I'd, I was awarded a scholarship uh, in triathlon um, last year, which um, gave me, a, sort of uh, via financial ground, gave me time 
out from my normal work to spend on coaching related matters and sort of I was able to sit back a bit more and, and um, contemplate uh, aspects of coaching, you know, and we all know that coaching is a bit more than just writing programs. So that that's the aspect of um, coaching I looked at, what, what else matters as a coach. And um, every time it came back to, you know, relationships we have, in particular with our athletes and how we function um, in that in, in that role. So um, uh, the upshot was that I started reading on it, um, talking to other coaches and, and athletes in particular about these matters. Um, I had a, a lot of help from a, a mental conditioner, Renzi Hannum, um, who has a lot of experience in this area. So um, the upshot of all this is, is being this publication called The Triathlon Coach, where I've sort of summarized uh, my thoughts. And was it was a lot of us um, just just sort of thinking back on your own coaching career, or did you did you travel around the world and, and meet any other particular coaches and, and talk to anybody in particular? Um, yeah, as, as most coaches, I've, I've learned from other coaches, and uh, probably the most well-known triathlon coaches I've learned from over the years, who sort of shaped also me as a coach, are are Seppo Natala, the Finnish coach, uh, in particular well-known about coaching Pauli Curie. Um, and he's on one end of the scale, very structured um, sort of uh, coach, while on the other end of the scale, Brett Sutton, I was privileged to um, work a bit with him when he was in New Zealand for three months prior to the Sydney Olympics with his athletes, and I learned a lot from him as well. So, um, and, you know, beside that, over time, I've had a lot of discussions with, with very experienced athletes, um, in the 80s, 90s, I've sort of been involved with the whole sort of development of the sport in the area of coaching and training. So it's been a combination of my own experience, what I've learned from other people, and what I've been reading. Brett, so you, you talk about Brett Sutton. He's obviously a pretty interesting character. I've actually never met him, but uh, one thing we've sort of been noticing as we've been doing the show this year is a lot of uh, we see a lot of the Ironman athletes, uh, and I know quite a few of them are sort of from his stable doing a lot of races, a lot of Ironman races. There's one girl, Hilary Biscay, who, who seemed to do just about every Ironman race this year. Mm. Have you had much experience in athletes, you know, doing as much... I know he does huge training and and, uh, and, and a lot of sort of back-to-back Ironman races. What's your sort of thoughts on that? And, and is it a... <laughs> um, yeah, you, you know my opinion where I'm a little bit more conservative, um, in particular with Ironman. Um, so uh, I don't totally agree with all of methods but in saying that um, the ones who who do well with his methods do very very well so you know he's arguably one of the most successful triathlon coaches in the world but there's also obviously some athletes who don't cope with his programs and um, they're, they're better off probably with with a different coach and a different approach yeah. Um, so yeah this is why his you know methods are controversial because he does seem to push his athletes to the limits and get the most out of them, or sometimes you know the athletes doesn't and breaks down. John, um, when you're selecting a coach, what should an athlete really be looking for in a coach? Um, I mean, that's a good question. I'd, I think it goes two way. You know, what what does a coach look for in an athlete as well? And and so I've got the um, the principle when, when I sort of meet up with an athlete um, that we sort of give it a three month trial um, to. To try and figure each other out to see if it works. Um, 
and normally I, you know, I never approach an athlete if I can coach them. I always, you know, respond to an athlete's request and then sit down with them for an hour and, and try and assess them out. And sometimes after that hour, the athlete will not come back. And so that's, that's, that's fine. Um, and I'm sure the athlete, you know, will, will then have made up their mind if, if the coach is suitable for, you know, to meet their needs. And having, having a trial period is, is quite useful. So there's no strings attached and you work together for a while and then you sit down, well, is this going the right way or are, are we on a different wavelength? And, um, so obviously the, the athlete needs to look at characteristics in the coach. Where is the coach actually interested in, in what his athletes want to achieve? Because some coaches are mainly interested in, uh, in the elite end of performance and perhaps have not so much interest in the age groupers, but coach some of the age groupers to you know, assist with, it, with their income. Um, so as an age grouper, you want to be aware of that, you know, if that happens. Um, sometimes coaches are more interested in developing athletes, you know, younger athletes, and um, they struggle a bit more with, with the more mature athletes, and vice versa. So you, know, you, you can work all those things out as an athlete. Um, and obviously, personalities need to match. Mm. Um, and, and that's that's the real challenge. Is, uh, is if, if, if you are on a different wavelength, do you decide to work on that and, and try and understand one another, or do you go separate ways? Um, you don't always have a choice because there's not that many triathlon coaches uh, available. So um, sometimes you need to work with what you've got and try and get the best out of of, of that coach to meet your own needs. So I, I think that the message here is. It's a bit of a long-winded story. Is that indeed the athlete takes some ownership and, and uh, responsibility or so in in the working relationship with the coach, and that makes it a lot easier for the coach as well. I think what you've been saying there that, that is sort of summarising what what's in your um, your book that you produce, isn't it? Sort of the, the different coaching styles, the different athlete types, the diff, you know how to deal with different. Uh, with, you know, women versus um, age group athletes versus um, elite athletes. Was that sort of the, the, the foundation of the book, just giving a, a broad overview of, of all those sort of different styles and topics of coaching? Yeah, the, the emphasis is very much on, on the relationship which we have with our athletes and what decides, what factors decide that relationship. There was a while in, in my coaching career that I treated all the athletes I coached about the same because I thought that was a fair thing to do and then I found it didn't quite work and because athletes are different so they have different needs so I need to treat them differently. So, um, you know, having recognized that has really improved my coaching. I mean, it's a, it's a very simple example but um, uh, having an awareness of, of the different needs and the different personalities and how they function um, is to start and then try and, and to figure that out, how, how you then apply that to the individual athletes. Um, will then decide the final outcome of, of your working relationship. So John, for an aspiring coach, and I'm sure there's a few of our listeners would like to be a coach, so um, for an aspiring coach, what do you think are the kind of steps they need to take to become a coach? Um, coaching, <clears throat> I have uh, come to um, experience is, is really a matter of um, of passion, so if, if you want to be a, a coach, it's a bit more that, than just a vocation, um, in particular if you want to be successful at it. Um, I suppose it applies to uh, <clears throat> a lot of other vocations as well, really, But um, so it's no different 
in that. So you, you need to know that that's really what you want to do. Um, and then you need to build up your knowledge base. I think that's a, a first requirement is that you get technical expertise so you actually know what you're talking about. Um, and that also includes, um, you know, the, the different disciplines, knowledge about the three different disciplines. So that will take a while to sort of build up, and that includes going to coaching courses in the three disciplines, triathlon coaching courses, and so on. And once you feel a bit more confident that you can sort of write a holistic program for an athlete um, and how you can work with other coaches in the single disciplines, um, then you start to emphasize more, I suppose, that the subtleties of, of relationships you have with athletes um, and how you can improve these. You've coached, you know, duathletes, triathletes, multi-sporters, Ironmen, sprint athletes, everything. Do you, do you find there's any um, real fundamental differences when you're dealing with Ironman athletes versus, say, short course athletes? Um, well, there is nowadays. Um, there were, this was less so in the 80s and 90s where a lot of the, the, the top triathletes would do both Ironman and standard distance and, uh, and excel at both as well. Um, but the times have changed, in particular with the uh, change in, in the drafting rule. Um, and I, I think that the standard distance at elite level now requires a completely different approach and also probably a different personality than the Ironman athlete. And that's why we see such few standard distance athletes um, cross over to Ironman at elite level. I think the, um, at, at age group level, there's not so much of a difference. The, the, you get similar athletes doing um, standard distance in Ironman and a lot of uh, standard distance sort of graduate up to Ironman at some stage of their career. Um, so, but there's definitely uh, now a, a difference between elite standard distance and Ironman athletes, um, where, where the standard distance athlete is a lot more extrovert, is a lot more social. You know, it's, it's like the, the bike race, which has become part of the triathlon, and, and the Ironman athletes is, is probably a little bit more of a loner and prepared to, uh, to train uh, by themselves a lot and, and uh, be a little bit more phlegmatic and so on. Um, also, is there much of a difference when you're writing programs to what you'd give a female athlete to a male athlete? Um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously some um, some significant differences between the two sexes, which are obvious in relation to um, physiology in particular, where, where the female is, uh, has a less muscle, a little bit more subcutaneous fat, they have a smaller heart and less blood volume and so on. So... Um, uh, so, so, but that's all pretty obvious, and there's more s subtle differences as well in, in relation, again, to how uh, women function. And, and this is a generalisation, really, because you know within that there's huge individual differences. Uh, but generally, the emotional responses of, of females are different from males, and so they function differently. And therefore, as a coach, you tend to approach them slightly differently as well. Um, for example, in training, they tend to be a bit, bit more compliant, and I think it's because they're, they're not as competitive in training as, as males are. Um, and also, um, they tend to communicate quite well, uh, probably better than the male counterpart. So all that sort of helps to shape your relationship as a coach uh, with, with, with the athletes, with the female athletes. So yes, there are differences. 
You seem to be, uh, you've got a quite a big stable of elite female athletes at the moment. Any sort of reason for that? Or you just, you know, you obviously got uh, Andrea Hewitt and uh, Nikki Samuels and a, and a number of other girls there. Is, is that just a, a sort of a, something that's sort of come up or is there any reason behind that, you think? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why that is. Perhaps it is. Perhaps the reason is that they are sort of quite coachable. I'm not sure. I've sort of... Um, um, grown up in a female world myself where I had four sisters and um, I've got two daughters and so um, perhaps that also has something to do with it I thought I'd um, come to New Zealand um, to escape all my sisters but uh, it didn't quite work that way but you know, I, I do feel that probably that has something to do with it as well that I yeah. tend to have uh, an understanding, natural understanding <laughs> how to survive <laughs> females, um, but uh, so um, so I think part of it is is coincidence, yeah, um, and and part of it is probably a little bit historical as well. And um, obviously, we, we're on an Ironman show today. Uh, you know, in your experience, when you've we've worked with a number of Ironman athletes over the years, is there any sort of key components of, say, the, the build-up phase, you know, maybe the last sort of 12 weeks before a race, any key sort of sessions that you've found work for, for more athletes than, than not? Oh, yeah, definitely, and, and that's uh, three things, and that's pace control, pace control, and pace control. I think <laughs> what, you, what you find in, in Ironman athletes is that they usually get quite fit about two months out from an Ironman, and often many of them could do the Ironman then, if, if, and they probably would do quite well, but they then want to finish it off with the last six or eight weeks of, of doing some faster work, you know, and this is still a, a common, commonly applied training method where, where you do your base and then you do your faster work sort of a few weeks out from the main race, but this definitely doesn't apply to Ironman. Um, you need to, you know, we recognize those five training zones, easy, steady, moderately hard, which are all aerobic, um, and then you have hard and very hard, which are anaerobic. And, you know, the Ironman athlete would spend really 98% of the time in the easy, steady, and, and moderately hard zones all the way through their training um, with sort of a, a difference in the balance. Um, but they, they will train aerobically all the time, and the real risk is in when you get fit to actually up your tempo and drift into the hard zones a bit much, and then you can really sort of go over the top and, and get flat, get stale. And, and uh, in my experience, it happens quite a lot. So to have the discipline, once you get fit, to stay in that steady zone with a sprinkling of moderately hard is the secret of, of getting a good iron man under your belt. Mm. I totally agree. I think uh, you know, a lot of athletes I deal with, they're, they're often they really want to start their build up very, very early, and then uh, you know they're often gagging for it sort of around about January, and then mm. sort of sometimes struggle to get through to March because they just start their build up too early. So I think like, that's one of the challenges I find is, is holding athletes back a bit at the start of their build up. Hey, um, John, so you've done an Ironman yourself. So when you did it, was it what you expected it was going to be in your experience? Yeah, it was every bit as horrible as I expected. <laughs> now, I say that with a bit of tongue-in-cheek because I, I don't have the best personality to do an Ironman, but because I had coached so many people towards an Ironman, I thought, well, I really should do one myself and really, you know, have a feel of it, really, so to say, and, and also try out those programs I give those people. So um, so my challenge was to, um, to, uh, to actually... Um, 
to, to fit that into, you know, within my sort of personality, I'm reasonably competitive and that sort of thing. So which which is not good for an Ironman athlete. You need to be patient and, and just be focused on yourself rather than on others. Mm-hmm. So um, so I went through that and um, and then saying that, you know, like that it was a dreadful experience. It wasn't really. It's, it's you know, most of Ironman is pretty tolerable except of, you know, the last bit of the run generally, the, you know, the last couple of hours. Mm. Um, and so knowing that while you're doing the, the, the first part sort of spoils the first part of an Ironman a bit, I think. Um, but uh, at the same time, I, I, my program worked well and, and I had a really good race. So I look back on it with great satisfaction. And, and you do have that, that event which... Um, Take you out of your comfort zones most, um, gives you the most satisfaction in, in, in retrospect. So I, I um, do look back at it uh, with a reasonable amount of fondness, although I won't do another one. <laughs> and uh, you managed to just dip under the, the, the 10 hour mark, didn't you, when you did it? Yes, yes. I, I did the last 100 meters in under 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> where, um, you know, 5K before the finish, there was no way I could speed up. I tried, but when I saw the clock at the finish line about 200 meters out, I was able to actually um, sprint uh, quite well. Um, that was quite a, an amazing sensation, really. Um, so, yes, um, um, yeah, just under 10 hours, I was very happy with that. I didn't really go for time. I, I thought I just want to do it well, and the time was irrelevant. Um, when you get too hang up on time, and then it becomes a distraction, I think, to you know what you're actually doing from moment to moment. So, um, but it was a nice bonus to get under the maybe ten hours. Excellent. And um, you know, a lot of our athletes at the moment, you know, we've got athlete, uh, sort of listeners all around the world. Some are in New Zealand, some are over, you know, and a lot of Americans. What what do you typically get athletes you work with um, to do sort of in their their off season? You know, the deep dark winter of uh, North America or, or the UK. Is there any particular things that you really get athletes to work on, particularly Ironman athletes? Um, well, it depends a bit how competitive they are. Like if, if they want to improve further for the next season, then they're probably best to um, initially have a bit of time off. Or by time off, I mean unstructured training time. So still be active, but not in a structured way. So to re-energize, perhaps put on a bit of weight and then work on the weak discipline, uh, whatever it is. So spend a three, four months block solidly on their weak discipline. If they are sort of happy Ironman athletes who are well-balanced and um, they don't really have a weak discipline, then they might just focus on um, on keep on playing or focus on their, their, their choose one discipline which they enjoy most, especially for their time of year, and focus on that. So, yeah, again, it depends a bit on... Um, on, on, on your, your goals, what you want to do with your off-season. Okay, well that's um, most of the sort of questions we've got uh, got down here for you today. We're going to have your um, your book for sale so through through our website, so uh, if anybody wants to, to check that out. Any sort of other comments on, on your book there that um, you, know, you might want to just let people sort of know what's on the inside of it? Yeah, well it, it's called It's Fired From Coach, and although it was mainly written for, um, for coaches, um, Quite a few triathletes have been reading it as well, and the feedback I get from them is that they find it very useful um, because it teaches them how their coach functions and also, therefore, how they can get best out of their coach. So um, 
it, it's not just for coaches. Uh, so interested triathletes um, are probably um, will probably benefit from it as well. And um, yeah, well, thank you very much for coming on the show. What's your sort of plans for this year? John's a uh, multiple world age group champion over Olympic distance. Are you planning on uh, lining up again next year? Is it? It's Canada next year, isn't it? Oh no, it's Germany next uh, year. Next year is Germany actually, and um, it doesn't appeal to me that much. It's a pretty flat course and a swim in a duck pond, I think. So, um, <laughs> and and also we'd be very busy with our um, our, our Beijing selection. Um, program where we have um, this, the main selection race for the New Zealand athletes is in the Beijing World Cup, which is two weeks after the World Champs, so um, I think I'll be busy doing that, and you know, hopefully I'll be able to stay fit and do the odd standard distance race, but my main, my main emphasis will be on the coaching side. Can I just ask one more question, John? Um, as a, um, you know, you're a little bit older now, how do you maintain your fitness, and what are the things you need to kind of look out for in regards to that as you get older? <laughs> well, it's a bit of a big one, yeah. You don't want to you don't want to look at that too much. I've slowed down significantly, um, but um, in saying that, so have my my age group competitors, and they might have actually probably have slowed down even a little bit more. So um, uh, I think what you need to look for when you get a bit older is that you you don't get away with excesses in training so easy. So. If you do a bit too much, too fast, too soon, as a young athlete, you tend to bounce back reasonably quick from that. But as an older athlete, you much more easily get injured or you get excessively fatigued, so you need to be a little bit more careful. In the end, you can't train as much and as hard as when you're younger. You need more recovery and so on. So, um, yeah, to get the balance right um, will help you, you know, last uh, in years as a triathlete. Wicked. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on the yeah, show. Thank and, you very much. And like we said, we have the, the book on sale, so we'll hopefully be spreading that far and wide around the world. And um, good luck for the for the rest of the, the year for you. And, uh, and with all your athletes. Yeah, and hopefully we'll, we want to catch up with you again at some stage to talk about another one of your um, areas of expertise, sort of uh, hypoxic training. So we'll uh, maybe catch up some stage in the new year. Okay, John. Uh, all the best to you as well and, and your listeners. Thank you very much. Right, so thanks, John, for that. The yes. other John, actually. The other John. John's <laughs> everywhere today. Oh, John's a good time. The Bib and John's office. Thanks, sure. um, Get rid of that James. We don't get, like James. Get rid, get rid of that James. Um, what I was going to say, so... That's it for today. That's it for today. We're going to do questions and answers, but we're kind of going really late. This is a real long show, so we're going to pretty much wrap it up right now. And that's it. What are you going for the week? Uh, not much. Just going to have a couple more days recovery, yep. and then uh, back in the swing of things, working, and uh, looking forward to next week, which is going to be a uh, big, big week. Big training week next week. It's very exciting. So mm, it's going to cool. try and lift that cycling thing and nail your ass the next time we race. Ah, bring it on, <laughs> mate. Bring it on. Um, and I'm pretty much going to be doing the same. I'm feeling pretty tired after the race. I had to teach an aerobics class last night, <laughs> and I was dying. So that was kind of a bit of painful. And then uh, other than that, my girlfriend's got a big race this weekend. She won a thousand bucks. So I'm, yeah. I think I might even go ride for her and just be a bum. Boy. Already? Yeah, well, a thousand bucks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much us for the week. If you've got any questions, it's www.ironmantalk. Oh, no, no, it's not. That's the website. Website's www.ironmantalk.com. Our sponsor is Coffees of Hawaii. Beautiful. So, this uh, the moment on coffeesofhawaii.com, 
They've got their featured product of the month. It's the Hawaiian Island Style Blend. Oh. Medium dark roast. The perfect way to start your day. Perfect way. The perfect way to start your day. Um, so it's normally priced at $6. Uh, this month you save 17%. So if you want to get a 7-ounce whole bean, it's only $4.95. Or if you want to get a 7-ounce ground, it's only four ninety five. So um, good stuff. And what, what did I have then? I you, you had the uh, the Kona Big Ring, I think. Oh, that was good. It was good. And I have lots of sugar in my coffee too. Don't I? I do. <laughs> and I've just had uh, three huge big boxes of coffee arrive for Epic Camp. So any Epic Camp listeners out there, you're gonna be chowing down on some of this good stuff. Um, but please do get on there and uh, and get these guys Support rolling us. because yep. um, these guys are supporting the show and keep the show rolling. And uh, you know it's a good product. So there's a whole variety of uh, coffees. Get on there at coffeesofhawaii.com. Yep. And, and uh, check out some of their other stuff as well. They ship worldwide, and uh, it's all good stuff, and we can vouch for that. My brother-in-law is actually a bit of a coffee connoisseur, so I gave him a bit of it, and he said it's all good. Really? So, well, there you go. Uh, so it must be right then. It must be good. Yeah, it must be good. Okay, so if you want to buy some stuff from Amazon, go onto our website and go through the store. It gives us some money. One click per show. That's what we ask for. <laughs> One click per show. <laughs> and you guys are doing that, so we love you. That's where you need to just go, dub 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 and talk and click on an ad. Um... Email questions. Email questions to uh, ironmantalk at gmail.com. Nice, I kind of put it on you then. Good luck to everybody racing Ironman WA this weekend. Yeah, go Sean of the Porno. And uh, other than that? Other than that, uh, have a good week. And auf Wiedersehen. Goodbye. (laughs) German this week. German, nice. Right here.